The FBI just raided the house of Donald Trump for conspicuous reasons, and very few, but even some Democrats, are sounding the alarm, saying the FBI better explain themselves and do so quickly. Well, it's been said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent on the things that matter most. So the real question is this, have you had enough? We'll talk about that today and more on IndieThinker. Our show today is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans. If you're looking to refinance your home to purchase a new home or you just want to get into the real estate market, then you need to think about financing your home through our friends over at Element Home Loans. The Kevin Blair team can not only help you get pre-approved totally for free today, but they can also help you with the greatest customer service in the business. Now, when I say that I never exaggerate, I am not exaggerating because I never exaggerate. But sincerely, you have to try it for yourself. If you want great customer service, if you want to go to a place you can trust, if you want to go to a place that cares about the things that you care about, then you need to go to Element Home Loans. So go to kevinblairteam.com today and let them know that IndieThinker sent you when you do it. Hey guys, thanks for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. I appreciate the fact that not only the channel is growing, but that perhaps in the midst of that, I'm actually growing an army of people who want to think for themselves, who want to think outside of the legacy media or the mainstream media and really care about the truth and sourcing things from a different perspective. Now, for those of you who um, are really with it, perhaps you also too understand that the thing that I talk about often on the show, that secularism is deteriorating our society. Maybe you're not even a Christian, but at least you can recognize the further we move away from Christianity in the American West, the closer we get to destruction. I'm going to be doing a show about this um, in the future with the, the, the rise of the imagine utopianist uh, leftist world that we've created in much of our major cities that are run uh, by, by Democrats. Uh, I'm going to do a show about this in the future, but I bring it all up to just say this. The proliferation of the Bible has been one of the most beneficial things to society and certainly to the West. And by proliferation, I mean the access to the Bible and the ability for the Bible to impact societies throughout history. That's certainly true in America, but that's also true in, in other places as well. But the Bible is certainly a prolific book. Not only is it the most widely read, but it has also been translated into 700 different languages. So around 700 different languages, Old and New Testament, have been translated in its entirety. But then also, too, portions of the Old and New Testament have been translated into over 3,000 languages. So just smaller portions or, or different portions of the Bible have been translated in these multiple different languages. And in English alone, there are around a hundred different versions that you can read of the Bible. Now, because I'm a Bible reader, I think that this is, it's good that access to the Bible has increased. However, I wonder too, if the proliferation of information is a good or bad thing. So as far as the Bible is concerned, I have to say this, the reason we have a hundred different versions of the Bible in English alone is simply because there is different ways to translate. So there are poetic and literal translations of the Bible. And so we have different kind of varying degrees of poetic and literal translations of the Bible. So that's why we have so many. But then we also have uh, many different versions of the Bible just in English alone, simply because language 
you know, evolves. Uh, language is a subjective attempt to define something that is objective. So it's not that language is merely arbitrary because it's surely trying to define something that exists and something that is real. But because language changes in the way in which we use it, there are different translations available. Think about things like the message or something like that if you really hate your brain. Um, but then there's also another reason. There's uh, the reason that, you know, archaeology continues to find new manuscripts, some that date later or some that we believe might be more accurate than other manuscripts that we've had in the past. And because the Bible is one of the most, not only most prolific, but one of the most accurately handed down uh, pieces of literature in history because of how much sourcing there is with the Bible. The Bible is constantly um, has a microscope over it or a, a magnifying glass over it to make sure that what we actually have is a true as possible um, a representation of what was originally written. Now, we do not have the originals. We have copies of copies, but we have tons of copies of copies. And like I said, this is important because the more copies we have, the more kind of cross-referencing we can do to make sure that what we have is as reliable as possible. So it gives us the impression that the Bible is a very reliable book and is historically sourced greater than any other historical book, especially of its, of its time. Uh, but there might be a negative aspect to all of this. So there's a reason that we have so many versions, but I also can't help but wonder if there's not a negative aspect to the proliferation of information writ large, but the proliferation of the Bible specifically. And so speaking of the Bible, perhaps one of the negative consequences of so many versions just in English alone is that we get this impression that, that the Bible is this kind of a la carte book and I'll just go find whichever book I or version I like the best and whichever one speaks to me. And then if we're not careful, the subtle implication there is that then I can just make up whatever I want. I don't like the way this verse is translated here. I like the way it's translated here because I want it to say what I want it to say. And we get this kind of golden corral buffet style version of Christianity. So that's one of the negative consequences of having so many versions of the Bible. But then perhaps the second and more important thing is this, is that we also can become numb the more information that we have. We can become numb in our mind and numb in our emotions and numb in the way in which we process information because we are so inundated with information. We cannot tell how important one piece of information is from another piece of information. So this is the problem with having such a unbridled, prosperous society and having so many things at our disposal. And this certainly seems to be happening in terms of information kind of in a more broader perspective. And this is why I bring up the Bible, because if an important book like the Bible can be, can be perhaps inundated with so much information that it starts to lose its flavor and starts to lose its impact, then certainly it's possible that information out there in the ether can lose its impact. Now, maybe you think about this. The question, is the internet good or bad? Are we dumber because of the internet than we used to be? And you think about the things you see on TikTok and, and perhaps even the articles that you find on Wikipedia and how most people can source a Wikipedia article and then become an expert on whatever subject that uh, that you, you may have in mind. Um, now, as much as I don't want to be a Luddite and just reject technology, I think it's undeniable that 
that the reality is, is when you have so much information, it's hard to choose what information matters. And we can slowly but surely start to push away the classics, literature that really matters, and we can in its place put things that are less important and don't matter as much. And so one of the Orwellian effects of so much information, or perhaps it's Brave New World, perhaps we're living in both, uh, is that we, we, it's hard for us to discern what really matters and what information we should take to heart and react and respond to. And I think that's where we find ourselves today with this story of Donald Trump, because I, I wonder if we are really as shocked as we should be. I also wonder if we should be not so shocked because this seems so par for the course. But I worry about the response of those who are not worried about what just took place at Donald Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago. And so I want to dig into a story from NPR because one of the ways that we source information here is we often source, source information from a perspective that uh, may not necessarily be considered conservative or certainly not Christian. So I want to dig into what NPR has to say about what just took place at Donald Trump's home. And according to NPR, mystery at Mar-a-Lago. What were FBI agents looking for and what are the consequences? The article goes on to say this. Monday's FBI raid on the home of former President Donald Trump, including his safe, according to Trump, has raised eyebrows and questions about what the search could indicate about a possible criminal investigation into the former president and those around him. The raid concerned presidential records that Trump removed from the White House when he left office in January of 2021, according to Christina Bob, an attorney representing Trump. Now, first of all, the thing you should know is that the FBI is enacting a warrant right now that was was initiated by the National Archives. So the National Archives got the FBI to raid the president's house. Now, the one thing you will hear about this that I think is very important to recognize is that you will hear that the FBI only has warrants when there has been plausible, incredible allegations of criminal misconduct. Only then can they, from a judge, get a warrant and then exercise that warrant and go and search somebody's home. So certainly the article is right about the fact that that there are people asking what is going on. Why are the, why is the FBI raiding Donald Trump's house and what does it have to do with the January 6th commission? But you would also be right to question whether or not it is true that only people who have credible allegations of criminal misconduct are the people who exercise warrants. Now we're going to get further on into into the the article to to address this point. And it says the FBI search warrant authorized agents to sees, quote, presidential records or any possibly classified material, end quote. Bob said in a Tuesday interview on the Dinesh D'Souza podcast, the search took about 10 hours, she added. The execution of the search warrant represents a significant escalation in the investigation that the Department of Justice has been quietly working on for months. Now, here is the biggest problem with this article, because it goes on to say this. We don't know yet exactly what the FBI recovered in the raid. Some material recovered that they said was classified, and then a letter that was written from Obama to Donald Trump. So the question is just this. Now, the first thing seems a little bit 
um, a little bit more important. But if the first thing is anything like the second thing, why would the FBI raid the home of a former president simply to recover a letter that was written by the president before him as a kind of welcome to office? So the FBI is now in the habit of seizing letters that were written to people on a personal capacity. So I know you, you say, well, this is correspondence between two presidents and the National Archives want to uh, keep this for historical record and yada, yada, yada. But should the FBI be searching the homes of private citizens in order to get this information? Now, again, we still don't know what exactly they were looking for. And we've only heard that it was correspondence uh, from, from Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump. That's the only thing that we can ultimately question whether or not this actually really deserves the FBI to go into the home. But again, we're going we're gonna to talk about the merits of this warrant here in just a moment. So it says this, but generally speaking, federal agents seeking a warrant must provide an affidavit that contains details about exactly what material they expect to seize during the search and why they believe it is at the location subject to the warrant. A judge reviews the affidavit and signs off on the warrant if they believe the details provided by the agents pass legal muster for probable cause. So the real question from this article, it's linked down below so you can see the rest of it. The real question is, why in the world would we believe that the FBI actually had probable cause to act on behalf of the National Archive to go in and raid a former president's home? Uh, why would we believe them when the FBI has been weaponized by Democrats in the past to spy on Donald Trump? Again, we, we had these allegations in the 2016 election that Barack Obama had used the FBI to spy upon Trump and had wiretapped his Trump Tower office. But then we also know for sure that the Department of Justice was weaponized by Democrats in the whole Russiagate collusion affair. Now, this led to not only one, but two failed impeachments of the president. Now, so all of this just totally spoils any trust that we have in our federal government to actually use the FBI for the purposes that they were intended to be used for, which is, by the way, not to spy on American citizens. So the two purposes of the raid seem less about the National Archive getting information than it actually does about two things. And what other conclusion are we left with other than one? This is a fishing expedition to see if they can find anything that they can throw at Trump for the January 6th committee. Uh, as this thing comes to a close, they are desperate because they've done nothing to prove anything of criminal allegations against Donald Trump. And so they're trying to find anything that they can possibly do that, uh, anything that they can find that will possibly stick against him. And then the other thing is this, and this is probably the more plausible thing, given the fact that the FBI has lost all credibility because they have proven to be Democratic hacks. More plausibly, they are looking to just put Donald Trump in the news in a negative way on a continual basis. And the reason they want to do that is because Donald Trump is most likely going to run again in 2024, and they are deathly afraid of getting him in office. Now, I have to step back and just give an aside here for a moment. If I believed in the deep state, if I believed that there was a cabal, a secret group of people who are hell-bent on trying to bend and twist the government to do what they want it to do, I would believe that they would do things just like 
this, that they would use the FBI to just create a news cycle, as it were, to, to continue to put negative press on Donald Trump so that he would lose any coming election. Now, why would I believe anything like that? Well, perhaps because some statistic of 90 or more percent of the coverage of Donald Trump during his whole presidency, and especially leading up to the 2020 election, was negative. These people in the media and the Democrats, and I don't know why I'm being redundant here, but either one of these people, the media or the Democrats, they don't care about the truth. They only care about this. They care about making sure that they win, and they will do so at any cost. If you're not at least the littlest bit troubled by this, then it is possible that you have become numb to the 24-hour news cycle. You have become numb to the outrage out there in the ether on social media and the clickbait and all of those things out there. You've become numb to the proliferation of all of this information at your disposal, or else you might still be concerned about the fact that the Democrats tried to impeach Trump twice on trumped-up charges that were fabricated by the Clinton campaign in order to try to, to humiliate Trump and to keep him out of office so that Hillary could win. You might go as far back as to say that when Hillary was doing things through the DNC to try to keep Bernie Sanders from running and when those emails were revealed, you might think to yourself that, boy, this this party cannot be trusted. They're willing to do whatever it takes to, to win. But you might want to go a little bit even further back than that to realize that people like Woodrow Wilson in the past had no qualms about using the FBI to spy on American citizens. Uh, you know, most of our history, we didn't didn't have those institutions. The FBI came in uh, during the First World War. And interestingly enough, the one thing that Woodrow Wilson did, he used the FBI to spy on American citizens and actually arrest them if they disagreed with his foreign policy about going to war in Europe. And isn't it interesting how recent they used it in the Vietnam era? Democrats used it there. Republicans used the FBI to spy on a hundred different groups in this country, including the churches who disagree with the policy in uh, Central America. It almost looks like the FBI was designed to spy on Americans who might be disagreeing uh, with policy, especially the foreign policy. If you had not become totally numb by the news at this point in time, then you would understand that the implications of a banana republic in the United States, because a Democratic Party is using not only the media, but also uh, the legal arm of the United States government for their own political purpose, you would be furious about this. And I'm saying this to Democrats. I'm saying this to those of us who are Republicans, Democrats, and Libertarians. All of us should be alarmed by what just took place at Donald Trump's mansion. Uh, by the way, um, so you know that there are Democrats out there who are willing to at least voice some legitimate concern over this. Andrew Cuomo tweeted this. The DOJ must disclose the bona fide nature of the August 8th action, or else the Republicans will use it to discredit the January 6th investigation, which would be a terrible disservice to the good work of the House Committee in exposing the Trump administration violations. Unfortunately, Andrew Cuomo is going to learn what Republicans have been saying since the beginning of the January 6th commission, is that this committee is nothing more than an attempt to try to 
throw allegations at Donald Trump as much as they can leading up to the 2024 and 2022 elections, but then also to an attempt to try to make sure that they castigate all Republicans as some form of extremist group that that agrees with what took place on January 6th. All of it is a complete and total utter fabrication. So sorry, Cuomo, uh, the January 6th committee has been discredited and continues to be discredited for good reason. And uh, and you're, but you are right. You do have a point that the FBI being used to raid the home of Donald Trump and little being spoken about it is is more than just that they're not willing to reveal all of their cards. Uh, it, it, they've already revealed all their cards, past, present, and future, I guess, is, is the point, that we no longer need to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, and if you still are, it is because you've become so numb and so uncaring to the information that is right before us that... Uh, that it no longer makes a, an impact. And this is one of those things that I think needs to make an impact because we're watching right now the degradation of our society, the erosion of our civil, civil liberties. And so let me just say this. Democrats today are coming for Donald Trump. But even if you are a Democrat or a liberal, you should be concerned by this because they may be coming for Donald Trump today. But what about when they start using the FBI to come after you? Um, we've known for far too long that they're attacking biblical Christianity um, with the Christian nationalist slur. I've done show, uh, shows on this in the past. And the Christian nationalist slur is nothing more than a way to try to um, slur Christian evangelicals because they know that the institution of the church is a threat. Well, we also know that marriage is under attack. And the the person that suggests that marriage is between a man and a woman and is fundamentally different than a marriage between a man and a man is castigated with the slur bigot. Um, and, and so we, they've come for uh, marriage. And of course, they've come for biology. And so now anybody who actually suggests that a man is a man and not a woman is, of course, a, a, a misogynist and uh, not a true feminist. And of course, the truest feminist would be those who are threatened by the fact that femininity has become nothing more than a new fandangled masculinity. For those who want to come, you know, uh, compile and, and join the sexes together rather than to make something uh, feminine vastly different than something that is masculine, these are the people who are the true, um, uh, the egalitarians, in other words, or the people who are the, the anti-feminist or the misogynist. But of course, you're the misogynist if you happen to suggest that men are fundamentally different than women on a couple of different fundamentally important ways. But the whole point of this is, is that you're next. If you don't speak up now, you're next. If you don't learn that this is a problem, and if you become numb to the news cycle, if you become numb to the outrage, then what will stop them from coming for you next? Of course, Martin Niemöller's quote comes to mind. But I think about also this, C.S. Lewis, because I want to speak to my Christian audience, but also for those of us who have become numb to the news and are not moved by the horrific nature of what just took place at Trump's home. C.S. Lewis said something very insightful, and he said this, that the devil, the enemy, is just as happy with those who believe that he does not exist as he is with those who believe that he is of no consequence. In other words, that you have become numb to the impact and the effectiveness of, of the enemy or of the devil. And he also goes on to say that he is just as happy with the materialist as he is with the magician, those who worship Satan and believe that he exists and those that only believes in what they can see right before them and what they can touch. And so the point is this, is 
one of the signs of corruption of our age, and certainly a, a sign that we are sitting in a room as the lights are being dimmed slowly but surely to the point where we will sit idly by until we sit in a dark room and it will be too late to turn the lights on at that point in time. One of the symbols of that is that we do not act when evil is before us. And it's time that we as Christians, we uh, uh, even as people of good conscience, did something in the face of evil. And what just took place at Donald Trump's home is certainly something that demands a response. You know, there's, there's people who say this quote, and I hate this quote with all of my heart. Uh, Perception is reality. No, the perception of a knife is not reality. Knives being stabbed into your stomach. Now that is reality. So we've got to wake up from our stupor. We've got to end this subconscious pacifism that so many of us have, that these things will work themselves out. There needs to be negative consequences for those who wish to take the, the Constitution and our society in their own hands. If you know and believe the truth, in other words, it's time to stand. It's not for me to tell you how to do this. It's just for me to tell you that when there is a threat, people must respond to that threat. If you ever become silent about the things that matter most, that's the day that your life begins to end. When evil rises in our time, we need to have a response. Like Thomas Paine says, if it comes in, I pray that it will come in my time so that it will not come in the next generation's time. Let it be me who faces off with that evil. That's the mentality we need to take. And if nothing else, I can give you a little bit of helpful advice. Don't hold your breath waiting for our political class to stage an August 8th committee hearing on why the FBI was being used in an insurrection-like manner to investigate private citizens for no apparent reason. Maybe we need to hold off on that kind of accusation until we hear exactly what they found and why they were there in the first place, but I somehow think that we never will, and this news cycle may pass us by very, very quickly, and we'll forget it ever happened. But as Thomas Paine said, if evil comes, let it come in my generation that I, so, that I can, so that I can address it, so that it won't impact the next generation. If the government is the enemy of the people, and that may sound like an exaggeration all the way up until the point that it's not, then we have a responsibility in our generation to take a stand so that we can preserve this democracy before it's too late. At least I know this. You can make a difference by making sure that in 2022 and 2024, you vote this nonsense out of office. The way in which the inflation has gone, the way in which our foreign policy has gone, the way in which our society has gone under the present administration and under the hand of Democrats who continually lean lefter and lefter, it's important for us to wake up to the fact, even if you're a Democrat, that you need to quit voting along simple, simply ideological lines and vote according to the truth. But this can happen. You can believe silence is a lie when you have the truth and you need to tell it. All right, guys, thanks so much for watching. If this was helpful to you, comment down below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.